Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Believe in Lions right here on the Believe Podcasting Network. You know what it is, Detroit's number one sports podcasting network. The show where I believe in the Detroit Lions, and by the end of this episode, so will you. I'm super excited today to have Paul Jackson back. He's uh, holding down the state of Florida down there. He's back to uh, talk some free agency. We're going to get his thoughts on Martha, the the organization change, as well as um, talk about what football might feel and look like here in 2020 with all this craziness going on. Paul, how are you? Glad to have you back. I'm doing great. Hey, thanks for having me. Looking forward to this. Yeah, man, no doubt about it. Let's uh, let's dive right into it. I know you always got some strong opinions, some some conspiracy theories, all bunch of thoughts. So, uh, came out of the out of this clear blue sky a couple of days ago. Martha Ford just turns over ownership of the Detroit Lions to Sheila Ford Hamp um, on a Tuesday in late June. Uh, seemed to be just an odd timing. I mean, I've got my thoughts on this, but what did you think when you saw it come across your phone there and then the uh, subseding press conference, stuff like that? Yeah, it was it was very strange when I got that, you know, I always thought when Martha gave gave up the team, it would be uh, for another reason that happens to elderly people. Um, right. So I, I was uh, I was surprised uh, that it happened. I mean, obviously, it was going to happen. It was just a matter of time. Um so it's it's kind of hard to have a strong take on it, but I think that it's it's a totally different situation than when when Bill passed on and, and gave it to Martha, simply because uh, Sheila is in her 60s. So she should have another 30, maybe 40 years of ownership. So this is this is probably the biggest ownership change since Bill bought it back in the in the 50s. So this is a huge, huge deal. See, I got to disagree with you right off the top, uh, Paul. I mean, this is going from one elderly 93-year-old Ford member to a 60-some-year-old Ford uh, family member, the daughter of a mother. I'm sure they think the same. I'm sure they do the same type of things. I mean, I, I tried to straighten my buddy Grifka out on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, which drops on Wednesdays and Fridays on your favorite podcast platform, and tell him, that to me, the ownership's all about cutting checks, signing checks, you know, being figureheads. What really matters is what Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia, and these players do on the football field. That's the lifeblood of an organization. Yeah, it's great to have a dynamic owner. It's important to have somebody that, you know, can, can make tough decisions and make good decisions. But this whole changeover from Martha to Sheila to me is just a, a very minor move. Now, do I think Sheila will be a little bit more savvy either in the media or be more open? Sure. Do I think that she might be a little more aggressive when it comes to knowing about the organization and making changes here or there when warranted? Uh, I guess so. But 
this isn't some huge move that I I view it like it sounds like you do, you view it as a major change. Well, it in the long run, it of course it it has to be a major change. I mean, one of the um, X factors in all of this is the loyalty that Sheila has with uh, Quinn and Patricia. Obviously, uh, Martha had that strong loyalty, which is why they stayed around here for 2020. But if Sheila wasn't involved in the hiring five years ago and three years ago, she might be, uh, you know, more likely to pull the pull the cord on that the whole situation if if it doesn't work out. That typically happens when there's new coaches, new you know, a new ownership. You you don't have that like grandfather clause with your uh, with your players and coaches. So that's that's one of those. Um, issues that will be interesting to see now hopefully it's not going to become an issue because of course if the lines do well it won't won't be a problem but historically in the 60s 70s 80s 90s and the zeros with with um with William Clayford his big problem was having loyalty to uh GMs and coaches that just weren't getting it done he was buddy buddy with all of them and I, obviously, we don't know Sheila. We don't know if that's part of her personality, but I, I feel like it's very important in any ownership situation to not have these attachments that result in, uh, you know, kind of an irrational um, decision-making when it comes down to GMs. But you're totally right about how the GM and the coaches are the teams are, are the you know most important factor, but the owner is the one that hires and fires them. So it's kind of like you know, flipping a coin on that end, but it, 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 this is huge. Um, so of course we'll see how it goes. And one thing though, that I'm really, really hoping for as a Lions fan is that she's more open with the fans. Uh, you know, unlike her parents that were, they never had any press conferences. They never really had much fan engagement. Um, I, I think that's very important to, um, to have that open relationship with your fans and, have press conferences and, you know, answer tough questions. So that, that's really what I'm hoping for more than anything. Okay. A couple times you said it's huge. Like what is Sheila going to do? That's going to be huge. or That's going to like totally impact this team. I just see it being status quo, especially for 2020. You know, if it goes well, you know, we'll continue on with this regime. If it doesn't, you know, it makes it easier for Sheila to make a change. I mean, I don't see her rattling cages. Remember when, uh, you know, Martha was 90 and, and there was all that rumor and innuendo that she was going around just knocking on office doors, firing people, and everybody was all excited. I mean, what has she done since then? A bunch of nothing. You know, she's just uh, she's just been there with her sunglasses and, and been a, you know, respectful 90-plus-year-old owner that shows up to the meetings and is there on the field before the games, and that's it. You know, hasn't done anything. You know, if anything, you know, she brought in her buddy, Rod Wood, the estate owner, and then she just uh, did what everybody else does. Maybe, yeah, maybe she was a little more aggressive than her husband, but I didn't know many, many changes, and because there wasn't a bunch of wins on the field, I mean, I, I haven't noticed a, a big switch, so I, I can't imagine why Sheila would be some huge switch that she's going to come in, you're going to get instant results, except for maybe it's just time that this regime, Patricia Quinn and the players, are ready to roll, and they go get and win maybe in a crazy 2020, and then they, they play good football, and then Sheila looks like the hero. You know, they changed over, and now they're winning ball games. Like, I don't think it's going to be anything up top that happens. Well, 2020, yes. I mean, there's not going to be much, much changes, but 
2025 and 2030 and 20, you know, 2040. I mean, yeah, that's it. It's going to be substantially different because, uh, I mean, it, you you can't compare what would have happened, but you have, you have someone seeing something a different way, and uh, it it has it has to be different. I mean, there's different different that, loyalties. That's but, my again, issue, it, though. Like, why? Why is it? Why is it gonna be different? What uh, you're saying that okay, all this well, in the next five years? What? Like, what's she's okay, a Ford. She's a daughter well, of a mother. She's not gonna do okay. things crazy different. Well, let me just. William Clay Ford, the, her father, uh, employed Russ Thomas for about 25 years. He was the probably the worst general manager in the history of professional sports. But they were drinking buddies, and that's why he kept him on board. Um, that was the kind of idiotic loyalty that her father had. And with Martha, I mean, she was only there for a couple of years, so it's kind of hard to to, to say whether or not. Um, yeah, you know, she would approach situations differently or not, but I would like to think that someone differently would, uh, a different person would handle situations like that. So really, in all honesty, comparing her to Martha, it's kind of hard to do that because she's only been around for a couple of years. She's only hired one general manager, but um, compared to, to William, I mean, you can't really do any worse <laughs> than uh let me ask you this do do you feel like the lions over the last let's just say 20 years do you feel like they've lost because of ownership and do you think that they had other owners that they would be much more winning organization yes why why because of because matt millen was on the was hired for what eight nine years right because because i don't know why it took so long to to do that to, to get rid of him. Um, and then they hired Martin Mayhew, who he wasn't that bad, but they didn't go for fresh blood, um, which was, which was a bit strange to me. Um, in addition, if you, if you think about the, the drafts that they had that really destroyed their team, specifically closer to 2000, when they took Joy Harrington, even though he was not a franchise quarterback, but they wanted that they convinced, uh, I'm sorry, uh, William Clay Ford wanted a, a new face to the stadium. Ford Field came out and Millen drafted him. And it was a, it was a terrible move, but it was, it was a money thing. In addition, he, uh, he wasn't involved in any of the ownership meetings. He didn't go to many games. He didn't go to, he didn't go to Florida for the owner's meetings. So it, yeah, I mean, it, it's, he was very disengaged. He, he lived in Florida 250 days out of the year. Um, he he hired his buddies. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he was really, really bad. With Martha, I mean, it was a different story because it was only a couple of years and she was in her 90s. Um, and it, I, I, I couldn't really even give her a grade because it's been such a short amount of time. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the terrible general managers that the Lions have had since the 60s are a result of the owner hiring them. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm with you on the Matt Millen as well as just, you know, staying with people a little bit too long. But I, I don't know that we've seen this big drastic change over the long term since uh, Clay Sr. hasn't had it. You know, a couple quick changes by Martha and then a bunch of, you know, same old, same old. Uh, and then, like I say, I, I don't know that because Martha Ford's the owner, we're losing games in the fourth quarter. You know, I don't know that because now her daughter has it that we're going to win or lose ball games. I just think that 
you know, having Martha Ford pick a GM or a head coach is just the stuff that goes out in the media. She has very little to do with anything. So the the big issue I had was maybe Sheila Ford, depending on how this year goes, could bring in a top executive, a president, somebody that has been in a waiting organization for 20, 30 years. You know, I don't have any names at the top of my head, but somebody that could, could work well with Bob Quinn. You know, obviously Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia work fine together, but could oversee that regime and help with big time football, you know, not only decisions, but organizational type stuff. I mean, Rod Wood is a, a state family planner bean counter. And then, you know, the, the Fords are just, you know, okay. The, the father was more loyal and made bad decisions. And he, it, his wife got it. His wife made a couple quick changes and then she's just sort of been a figurehead. Now her daughter's going to have it who learned under her mother for the past six years. Like you, these aren't sweeping changes that we're talking about. Well, Sheila's going to come in and, and when it's not going well, you know, she's going to go, you know, find the best of the best or make the perfect decision. Cause again, no experience too. like, you know, none of these owners, they're all just family. It's a family business almost that's being passed down. They have no, you know, legit winning football organizational experience. So I think it should be the owner up top that signs the checks and that just sort of is goes to the league meetings and is that person that, you know, owns the team. Then you need a head team president that oversees everything that's, you know, not Rod Wood. Then you need Bob Quinn, a, a competent general manager, and you need a top line head coach and a good football team. You have those things. You can win ball games, but if you don't, you'll kind of wallow in what they have been, which is every four years, let's just change up everything and that'll be better. And they just haven't got it right. And I, I don't know if I blame the ownership for that or not, you know, cause I don't feel like they're, they're making big decisions except for in a big group of people, group think, and then, you know, doing what they feel is right at the time, which they've been wrong more often than not. So anyway, I, I think it's a minor move. I think that Sheila's has to be better than a 93 year old Martha and Martha was better than Clay senior, who everybody was frustrated with for all the reasons you laid out, but I'm not throwing some party or thinking, wow, we're, we're on, we, we're changed now, except for, Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia, and the football players, which I do think uh, if they're not, if they don't do it here in year three and, and hopefully they get a year four, then yeah, go ahead and go try to change it up again. But I, I feel like we're turning the corner in regards to roster, team, coaching, culture, all that stuff. Cool. We got to keep it moving, Paul. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you before we get to kind of the NFC North free agents, as well as kind of what the Lions did. I know we've been focusing on that when you've been on the show of free agency this offseason. I want to know what you think about 2020 football, what it's going to look like, what it's going to feel like. Are we going to get delayed? Are we going to play on time? You know, COVID-19 has just been this crazy question mark that nobody really knows how to deal with it. I mean, I definitely wanted to get your opinion on everything that's been going on and, and more specifically what and when, you know, are we going to have football? Well, I think that it's, it's, it's I mean, it's, it's late June, but it's very difficult to, uh, to tell. But, you know, they canceled the Hall of Fame game, which I don't think was that big of a deal because no one wanted to go to that game anyway. Um there's been rumors of having uh, cutting down the preseason games as well. And I think that everybody outside of the owners, because they get, they get the gate for, uh, you know, they charge these ticket holders for that. Uh, there isn't, there wasn't much um, 
many players that want to play in that anyway. So it, it's, it's just going to be very interesting. I mean, they just announced yesterday that they're going to be um, bl blocking off the uh, first six to eight rows of all the stadiums and putting tarps down and putting advertisements on it with the idea of the this way the fans can't infect the players. Um, it's probably the dumbest thing I've heard, but um, they, they want to put advertisements there. So that's their, if every stadium is going to have between five and 10% less fans already as it is. That's the only thing we 100% know. And then there's also this decision too, that the NFL is going to let local politicians make the decision on whether uh, fans will be allowed or not. So that could really be a, either a huge advantage or disadvantage for the Lions. Um, obviously, the governor of Michigan is very cautious, uh, we'll put it that way, versus um, other governors where they're much more open. So, but we'll, we'll see come, come uh, September, I guess, for that. But it, it, it sure would be great as a season ticket holder to not have to pay for preseason games. So if, if both of those got canceled or if they didn't have fans in there, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Everybody knows preseason is a, is a waste. I know the NFL tries to justify it, but you know, for fans and just in general, it's uh it's horrible football. You know, I, I don't want to diss your XFL cause I know you love it, but it's, it's subpar of even XFL. So, you know, it's not great. Paul, l l let me pin you down a little bit more, man. Uh, are we going to have training camps start on July 28th? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have training camps. They're, they'll just be closed to the public. But yeah, they're going to have it, and a bunch of people are going to get COVID, and everyone's going to be fine because these are the, like the healthiest human beings on the planet. So you know, the media is going to freak out about this ten guys on team get COVID, and only only one of them even knew about it. Um, so you know, th th there's going to be that fear coming out. But I, I don't think I don't think that training camp will be postponed. No, the and, and the truth is. If they postpone the season, it will be to allow, give more time to allow the stadiums to, to fill up. Um, that would be the, the primary reason for that, because you don't want to play in a, you know, an empty stadium if you can just push the game back three weeks and, and play it then with, with full stadium. But I, I don't think the training camp will change. You already mentioned preseason, you know, talk about going from four games to two. Are we going to have any preseason football? Boy, that I'm. I'll I'll say yes. Fifty-one forty-nine. I'll say yes for the fifty-one. <laughs> like as much as I hate it, like I, you know, the reason I do hate preseason is I feel like we've moved to this stage where they don't even feel like your your starting quarterback, your wideouts, anybody needs to get any reps, you know, and I feel like you do need those reps. That that's the reason it's called preseason is sort of get yourself back in that mode of carrying your pads, playing football, timing, all those things you look for. So like this last, you know, probably been five, 10 years of just, Oh, we'll just sit our guy out the whole preseason or, you know, the, the way the NFL, all the teams have started to approach it. I mean, it is a complete waste, but I'd like to see two games this year. And I'd like to see um, starters actually get, you know, a quarter in the first one, you know, two, uh, two quarters, maybe even come out after halftime in the second game and then be ready to roll come regular season. So I, I'm a little dicey on it. I think the safe approach and the cautious approach, which the whole world seems to be taking still on this whole thing is 
let's just not play any preseason. That way there's no extra added risk. And we'll just show up when the money comes, which is for regular season. Paul Jackson is the regular season. Are we going to have games in the first couple weeks of September when the NFL is regularly scheduled without a hitch? Or is there going to be delays? Like you said, I agree with you. There's going to be players popping up with COVID-19. It's going to freak everybody out. But, I mean, that's kind of the season I'm expecting is the season where you're going to have star players have to miss a couple weeks here and there. You're going to have... Um, you're going to have lots of issues throughout the year with logistics, no fans, all that. But if we can limit the missing of players and still just get games on as scheduled, that's kind of my best case scenario right now. Yeah. I, I do think, I do think all the games will happen. I mean, I, I also feel that the best way to you mentioned the guys getting COVID is to have like a chicken pox effect here. You get all, get all the players on the lines to get COVID in July get it over with and be fine for the rest of the year. You know, it just, just, you know, get, get it over because that's what's going to happen. One guy's going to get it. The whole team's going to get it. And if that's going to happen, you want to have it in training camp anyway. And that's, that's one of the issues with uh, if you do postpone a training camp, because once people, once the guys get together, it's going to happen, it's going to start. So might as well have that happening when the, when there's either, if there is preseason games then, or just during the training camp, but not having a, a training camp or a short training camp or having short uh, preseason games, I think will be beneficial for the Lions because they have veteran uh, veteran quarterback and they have uh, the same offensive coordinator. I know their defensive coordinator is different, but um, I, I think teams with rookie quarterbacks and with new coaches, that's really going to hurt them having um, potential problems with uh training camps and not having the preseason games. So that, that that's, that's an advantage for the Lions. Yeah. I, a couple quick things. I, I don't know if, if your, your idea has scientifically uh, been confirmed. I, I don't know that they've said for sure you get this and then you're done. I think people have said that or assume that might be the case, but I don't know if that's true. So if, if that was a hundred percent, I would agree with you. Like, you know, go ahead. Like I Zeke Elliott and got it and then won't have it. And good. Yeah. You know, don't have to worry about him on my fantasy team all year, but I don't know if that's the case. Your second point about it helping the Lions, I mean, you you talked about the offensive side of the ball. I feel like it would help them on defense, too, because everybody assumes the Lions are going to be so terrible on defense because of how they played last year, yet they added a bunch of players that are well you know, established in the scheme, also a couple guys that I think can be can be playmakers. So they, they wouldn't need a ton of lead up to get it down. And they also could shock some people, I think with coming out and playing good football without a big training camp, without preseason games, without a lot of reps. So I do think it sets up decent for the lions in regards to that. Um, you know, Matt Stafford's been out practicing and throwing the ball to Cephas and, you know, everybody's new favorite wide receiver, Jamal Agnew, who I just, I just hate that idea for so many reasons, but you know, you've got him with his tight ends and, and whatnot. So I, gosh, I just hope that we can play on time. I hope that some of the, all this talk is limited. I guess where I'm at with all COVID-19 is like, I understand the issue. I understand wanting to be safe, but I also see it continuing to, you know, only limit this or only impact, you know, this smaller group of folks. And we've just shut our whole country down. So I feel like at some point you're going to have to do what we've sort of been doing now, which is open it up, deal with 
the cases, you know, try not to let it get out of hand, but realize this isn't a, you know, 90% of the public gets it and is dead by Friday. Like it's not the case, you know, it's much more of a, a maintenance issue if you do get it, unless you're in that high risk, you know, thing. And yeah, you don't want to be spreading it to other people, but I mean, there's billions of dollars on the line for the NFL. So I think they'll get the games in based on that. But I've definitely wrote a couple of my buddies and friends recently and said, man, based on what I'm hearing and based on the media and people going crazy about 20 Clemson players and all these people getting it, like, I don't know if we're going to have college football or if we're going to have, if we're going to be delayed in the NFL. And that's not something I want to say, but I just feel like we've, we've been so precautious across the board, except for a couple States and whatnot, that it's like, I could easily see people saying, ah, you know, it's just going to be too much of a problem. We either got to delay it or, or not have a year. And that's, that's definitely worst case scenario for me. Well, yeah, no, I, I would hate to have a canceled season. Um, Although if they do, do they still get the number three pick next year? That would be that would be <laughs> kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Well, the, the X factor too is going to be how baseball and basketball and hockey turn out with all of the the way they're doing it. Um, to see, you know, are all these guys getting it, and then they're they're fine, or nobody's going to get it. And how is how is that going to work out? So it is kind of good that um, you got these other pro leagues that are coming back first. Um, to they can kind of be the guinea pig. Uh, in all of this as well. So, Paul, to break it all down, you believe, B-L-E-A-V. I believe. You believe in Sheila Ford Hamp. Am I right? Yes. I believe, I believe, I believe. And you believe, B-L-E-A-V, right here on the Believe Podcasting Network, that we're going to have football. It's going to be on time. Training camp's going to be on time. I mean... You believe that as well. I believe. Am I right? I, I do believe. The only adjustment will be the, the preseason. Uh, we'll have two games, <laughs> and uh, that, that's really the only difference. Oh, incredible, man. Good stuff off the top. Uh, it's a good time to take our break. I knew you would have some strong opinions, and, and, and again, uh, hopefully some positive ones on that. So good stuff there. I don't agree with you on the ownership, but I'm definitely on board with hoping that uh, we get the season on time, and if we got to miss a couple meaningless preseason games, who cares? That's better for everybody anyway. Paul, let's take a quick break, get our sponsors in here. Um, come back and we will talk uh, NFC North. I kind of want to highlight a couple players the other teams got, maybe compare them to what the Lions did and give a little off-season analysis, kind of wrap up what we've been talking about for months here, which is free agency when I have you on the show. So sound like a plan? Sounds good. All right, everybody, we'll be right back. There is no shortage of action going on with our exclusive partner, BetOnline.ag. Sports are slowly coming back with UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and soccer leading the way. And BetOnline has all the best odds lines for the upcoming games and matches. Looking for something other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and all the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag or use your mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus and start playing today. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Believe in Lions listeners, we are back from the break. Thank you so much for listening to the show, hitting that subscribe button, sharing it with a friend. Again, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn. 
um, basically any other podcast platform you look for. And if you want to sponsor the show, you can definitely go to Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, and uh, they can help you out with that as well. We really appreciate that. And thank everybody so much for listening. Fun talking Lions. And in less than a month, based on what Paul said and what I hope for and what we are just uh, very excited to see happen as we may have football back. We might have training camp, see these players in uniforms, get some actual football news cranking out after these three months of just uh, kind of the dead period. It normally isn't an off season, but 2020 more so than anything. Paul, let's uh, let's focus on free agency like we have been when you've been on the show. Um, we talked about the Lions a lot. I thought it's always important to kind of self-scout the other teams in the division kind of see what they've been up to how it compares to your team things like that so let's go ahead and take a look at the nfc north and let's start with the vikings um you know one thing i knew when i kind of looked up the vikings is they had no cap room heading into this free agent period i mean none now again we're going to focus on free agency but they did do one thing i love which is they loaded up again in the draft with like 13 plus draft picks somewhere in that range. Crazy. It might've been 15 for, uh, for all I know, they just had a ton of players that they brought in from the the NFL draft. But when I'm looking at their free agents, the three I wrote down is, is they brought in uh, Pierce, the defensive tackle on a three year, $27 million deal. I mean, he's a solid football player in the middle. I think he's uh, coming from Baltimore there. Um, but I, it was a dang struggle to find anything else I was excited about. I mean, they got rid of Everson Griffin. They've made some other cuts. I mean, the only other two names I wrote down that I either recognized or I thought were anything, and this really speaks to how weak their free agents uh, period was, Anthony Zettel, we know in Detroit, uh, a defensive end, a hustle player, one-year, $1 million deal. I'm sure he'll get a sack on the Lions, though, at some point when they play him. And then they re-signed their kicker, Dan Bailey, three years, $10 million. I mean, I saw no other impact moves by the Minnesota Vikings that I can think of. Did you have one that, that you saw other than those? No, I mean, Pierce is a is a somewhat of an upgrade uh, as defensive tackle. But no, I mean, they, they really, they couldn't, they couldn't get really upgraded at all. I mean, they have that Cousins contract. They're in salary cap um, hell. So, I mean, yeah, they, they, they really struggled. And if you look at their, their, uh, departures, I mean, it's, right. it's not, uh, I mean, Everson Griffin's gone. I mean, granted, Joseph. He, yeah. So, I mean, granted, Stefan Diggs gone. Stefan Diggs is gone. I mean, that, that's going to really help the Lions. Um, I agree. I, I was really happy that with that. So no, the, the Vikings, now, now they did have a good draft and they got a, a lot of good young players, but for 2020, I think on paper, the Vikings should be worse. Um, at least again, in 2020, I mean, in the long run, who knows how their draft picks develop, but um, regardless yeah. of the record, I've always felt the last five years that the Vikings have been the best team in the division. And maybe just cause they always play the lines well, but um I'm very happy that, in my opinion, they had the worst uh, offseason. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, all those departures, I'm looking at it. They still, I, it's a little hard to break down the cap numbers, but I went to spot track and like, it seems like they're at 185 some million or so with their overall contracts. Maybe they have around 11 million in space, but I mean, it may be less than that too. But like you said, for me, I mean, the people that left along with the people they brought in, plus one thing I always think about the Vikings is like even the players they have that are good are, have just been around for years and years. I mean, I, I don't see them having infuse, uh, 
of, of young talent whatsoever. I mean, okay, on the offense side of the ball, we all know Dalvin Cook's an absolute beast when he plays because he's often hurt. I mean, their and quarterback. He's holding out too. Yeah, exactly. Their quarterback is what he is, and and now they they're gonna hang their whole hat on Adam Thielen, who I've ragged on for years. Is like, okay, he's had a couple good seasons, but if I gotta call Adam Thielen my number one, who nobody even knew of like four or five years ago, I mean that's nothing to be excited about. And like their offensive line's nothing special. They've they've got an old, you know, uh, well an old tight end and a Irv Smith who I think could be good, but he's still no game changer. I mean, and then on defense, like. How long has Harrison Smith been around? I mean, this guy's a guy that, yeah, he's good, but, I mean, he's he's not in the early part of his career. Their corners have always been suspect. Their linebackers have always been good. But, I mean, you know, other than that, it's like now they're losing pass rushers or get, I don't know. I just don't see much good going for the Vikings that people want to pencil them in as either winning or second in the division just because. And it's like they're not paying attention to the terrible offseason and the, the lack of explosive young players that they have have other than like you said yeah I like some of their draft picks too but not in 2020 and probably not even in 2021 are those guys gonna help them you know win ball games or be dynamic football players so I mean those don't worry me a ton when we go head up but the Lions just have to protect the quarterback when they play the Vikings you know they seem to always get Stafford killed so yeah they they had a a miserable offseason in my opinion let's move to the Bears man did you have uh, some things off the Bears you want to talk about well the last couple of years when the bears for agency rolls around, you look around like, and you say, Oh, they didn't get any, get any better. I wonder why. Oh, because <laughs> they paid a uh, Cleo Mack, uh, what $25 million a year or whatever it was. And they right. have no cap space on a defensive player. Oh yeah. And they also traded two first round picks. Yeah. <laughs> idiotic. I mean, at least, at least when the Dolphins signed in Dominican Sioux, they didn't trade two first round picks to get them. So exactly. they didn't, I mean, they got Jimmy Graham, they got Robert Quinn, which would be good if George Bush was the president, right. but it's 2020. <laughs> um, you know, Nick Foles was a trade. I mean, that's going to be, of course, the biggest X factor and all, uh, but he, he can't stay healthy. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're really, uh, they, they lost some, they lost some solid players as well. I mean, they, they lost Floyd, they lost Clinton Dix, they, they lost, Prince Mukamara, Taylor Gabriel, Kyle Long, Nick Williams. I mean, oh, and of course, Chase Daniels. I mean, they're substantially worse and they didn't have a first round pick either. So yeah, I don't, I don't see the bears winning seven games this year. Yeah. I'm right with you. I mean, I looked at their thing, Robert Quinn. I wanted the Lions to take him. I think that was the fairly draft and Quinn had some issues even coming out of college. I think he had a, a, a brain um, issue of some sort. Yeah, he's he's been a pretty good football player, especially recently. But they gave this guy five years, $70 million. I mean, if I'm telling you he was in the Nick Fairley draft, and Nick Fairley's been out the league for three, four years now, I mean, Robert Quinn's got to be up there in the 30 years old now. And you're going to pay him for five years. I'm sure there's an out, but that's still crazy money. Um you know, you've got Jimmy Graham, two years, 16. You gave Jimmy Graham eight million bucks. I don't know there would have been another team that would have gave him four or less, you know, to to come and be, a like you said, a name in their tight end room, let alone a guy that drops the football a lot and has really tailed off in his career. And then the only other name I wrote down was uh, Fetty, the right tackle, 
who they brought in is a one-year, $1 million deal. He's just a big human and a guy that I've always kind of kept my eye on as far as an offensive tackle from the draft process on. But, I mean, other than that, too, like you said, they got nothing. I do like Nick Foles. I do think he'll be the starting quarterback. I also do like the fact that Ryan Pace, the GM, has made the huge mistake of giving away all those high picks, yet somehow he sits there not having a pick till the third round in most drafts, and he was able to get David Montgomery, who's a running back I like. And then uh, what they do this year? They they added another tight end. They waited and they got Cole Komet, who was a you know a first second round type talent. But still, it's just like I, he doesn't scare me at all either. So the, this roster to me is, is is a mess. I mean, Allen Robinson is good. Like I say, a couple running backs that are decent, Nick Foles. But I just don't see it. I could see Khalil Mack having a bounce back year, but he's still way overpaid. And gosh, I can't name you many other Chicago Bears defenders that are that are any good. So their their cap numbers seem to come in around 200, you know, that uh, – upper 190 type million dollars. I mean, cap space is limited for them as well. So I've heard some people talking about like the Vikings or so-and-so should go to this team. And it's like, these teams have no money. They're not going to be able to bring in. That's the one positive about Bob Quinn is he's carved out a good chunk of change for when and if he wants to make a move, he can. These other teams can't do anything anymore. I mean, I'm surprised they've been able to bring in anybody in this off season. So let's go to the Packers, man. We got We'll keep this uh, show rolling here. Um, for me, Green Bay had the worst draft in the division, no question. I do like Jordan Love as a long-term prospect. When you look at their free agencies or free agent signings, I mean, the three names I wrote down were Kirksey, Wagner, and Funches. I mean, really, that's what you're going to hang your hat on in free agency? I know they had a good free agent year last year, so you can't go in big every year, but Kirksey, two years, $13 million. Rick Wagner, two years, 11. We saw how that worked out. I mean, go ahead and put him at right tackle. And then let's, let's, let's put old flowers, uh, Trey flowers over there on his side uh, when we go and play them. And then we all know what Devin Funches is. He's a, he's a red zone, go get it type receiver. And a guy that he'll have a few games here or there, but he's also will have the dropsies. He'll also have some mental issues on and off the field. Like, I loved him at Michigan, but that was about eight some years ago. So that that's nothing exciting. I mean, to me, the Green Bay Packers are going to have to get by on the arm of Aaron Rodgers and hope that Aaron Jones has somewhat of a season like he did a year ago, which I don't think is possible. And hope that their big defenders, the two uh, Smith boys, come to come to play like they did last year to be able to actually have a defense. I Green Bay is on the way down, and I feel like we should just. I would love it if the Lions just smashed them twice this year. What do you think? Yeah, they, with the Green Bay Packers, I think in the NFL they may have had the worst offseason period. Uh, I mean, they're, they're which is great. And, and, and the thing is that they weren't strapped for cash. They, they didn't have like you know the Bears' problem being over the cap or even the Vikings. It is it's very strange. I mean, yes, they they signed Mercedes Lewis, but they got rid of Jimmy Graham. Well, yeah, I, I think Graham is even better than Lewis, right? You know, uh, yeah. they Shades signed Rick Wagner, too. who's, uh, I don't say terrible, but well below average. But they, but Brian Belog is gone, and so that's a downgrade. And, and Devin Funches, yeah, I, I guess he's a slight upgrade over Geronimo Allison, but is he really going to make make any changes? Uh, Blake Martinez is gone. Um, yeah, the, the Pack, if I were a Packers fan, well, first of all, if I were a Packers fan, I'd have to, uh, you know, <laughs> get brainwashed so i wasn't a peckers anymore you'd have but, to um, get your jeans would be a couple sizes bigger yeah yeah i wouldn't have much 
won't have much to live for. Um, you'd, you'd smell but, like gargonzola. <laughs> gargonzola, yeah. But um, no, I mean the, the Packers are are definitely. And, and the thing is, that if I recall correctly, they went what, twelve and four, thirteen three last year, and it was the most inflated Ridiculous. thirteen and three I've ever seen. I mean, they were a fraud. <laughs> I mean, you know, they they stole. In fact, if you recall, the the Packers beat the Lions twice, and if you combine the amount of minutes or seconds of them winning the games, it was zero, because they they were all you know essentially they were field goals at the end of the end of the exactly. game. So don't 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 remind us about that, Paul. Yeah. Come on now. <laughs> the point is, Green Bay's a fraud, and you know they they drafted Jordan Love, and to, and but even if he plays or is the future, they have nothing around him. So that probably is the biggest question mark of outside of Bill O'Brien, you know, trading his, all of his best players for, you know, Gatorade betting machines. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that what the Packers have done this year is without a doubt the, the biggest question mark. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm right there with you. I think it was one of the worst off seasons. I feel like all three of those teams, it, it surprised me when I really tried to hunt and peck for a free agent signing that, that excited me at all on either three of those teams. Now the lions also did some things that we have some question marks about, but uh, I feel like we had the best uh, free agent um, class in the division. I feel like even guys like Jamie Collins, who I'm a, a little bit shaky on are a lot better than most of the guys we just mentioned. I feel like Deron Harmon's going to be great. I think the the draft class we brought in, I, I remember being on a round table here on Believe Podcasting Network with the other NFC North people. And my pr- prediction, my bold prediction was the Lions would get four to five starters or impact players in the, in the draft. And I feel like between Akuda, Swift, uh, Aquara, Jonah Jackson, you know, as well as even a guy like I think Cephas here in, in by next year could be a really uh, contributor when it comes to receiver. And then we'll see what Stenberg does. So I, I just think the Lions, like when people hate their record, but when you look at their team, they're financially sound. They have a good young mix of, of young players and veterans. I'm looking at their cap. They still have around $30 million just sitting there. Everybody's talking about extending people internally, which I want them to do. But I would also like to maybe add another player at a certain price to, to help put them over the top here this year. And, it, I mean, everything sets up nice for the, the team. The coaching staff's been in place for a few years now. They got rid of the bad apples. They've got... Um, I'm just excited about not only what they have, but how they're set up. I mean, I, I remember years where we just had terrible cap situation. We're bringing in old washed up players. You know, I don't feel like that's the case anymore. I just feel like everybody's sleeping on the lions because one, they're the lions and two, they, they won three games. Like the lions winning three games was basically just based on Stafford and a bunch of late losses, just like you said, where the Packers only lost three games, yet they probably could have lost, you know, six, seven easily. And instead they won those games. So that's the NFL to me. I mean, what do you think about the Lions in comparison to these other teams? Well, the, yeah, you, you put it great about the Stafford. I mean, they, they were more or less 500 when he got when he got hurt. They were 3-4-1, so we'll just say 500. And and that was the harder part of their schedule. And yeah. when he was gone, I mean – the way I see it, when Stafford's healthy, the Lions have about a 55 to 60% chance of winning the game. 
when Stafford isn't playing, they have like a 10% chance of winning the game. And that's why they lost their last eight games. But uh, the other teams, the other teams in the division, they were all, their quarterbacks were, were healthy. So, I mean, it's, it's, you can't really compare apples to apples. So I think that, uh, you know, we, we, we were underinflated and, and the Vikings and the, the Packers were, had better records than they should have. And I think that, I think the bears record, I think they were seven, nine or eight and eight. That, that's about what they should have been last year. However, they're going to be worse this year because they just can't keep not stocking your shelves. Um, so that, that's what I'm thinking. But, you know, with all this COVID stuff, <laughs> it's, the randomness could, could become even more random in the NFL, especially it's with like, no fans. It's like you look at it, and the only thing I see getting in the Lions' way is if Aaron Rodgers has a, a career year, which, you know, I like I like Alan Lazard a little bit as an under-the-radar receiver. They've got... Um, They've got a, a second-year tight end who could be dynamic. So, like, if he just has a burr under his saddle and just wills them to victories, I could see them being in that, you know, 9-10 wins on a, on a best-case scenario. I, I don't I don't see the Bears being anything better than middle of the road, you know, winning, being that team, like, in the NFL that wins anywhere from six to eight games just because. But other than that, they're just middle of the road. And I see the Vikings taking a step back and also being in that middle ground seven to seven, eight wins max for them. And the lions being, you know, a low floor of, you know, seven wins. If they have a bad year, you know, six or seven, but on a, on a normal or an uptick year to be right. Eight, nine, 10, um, possibly even 11. If they really get cooking, like I know this isn't the show, Paul, but like, I can't wait to see Deandre Swift in the uniform. I think Okuda is going to be really fun to watch on the outside. I don't know that you're going to notice a big drop-off without having Darius Slay. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of players on the Lions that I think people are just, because uh, it hasn't happened yet, they just aren't excited about, like Deshaun Hand, Jelani Tavai. Um, you know, Tracy Walker's going to come into his own. The Aquara boys, I think, could be fun. Collins, who I mentioned. Trey Flowers in here, too. I mean, that's just on the defensive side of the ball. And then when we flip to offense, like, you don't think Hawkinson's going to get a lot better in year two? You don't think that Kenny's going to keep playing good ball? I mean, uh, the, the two running backs there now, I just think it sets up so well for people to believe in this team. And Matt Stafford with two young, versatile running backs and wide receivers on the outside, like, look out, I think could be special. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions sneak up on some people and uh, and surprise and, and play good football. So that's what I'm excited to see, man. Any closing words here on Believe in Lions, uh, some positivity for the people or some uh, final final comments from you? Well, it, it's – I mean, I don't know if I have anything specific to say. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to the season. And, it, again, with all this COVID stuff, it, it just – there could be all these – random variables to it all i mean if there are no fans i mean is it will playing in green bay might be helpful because the crowd won't be screaming at the reps to make bad calls um you know stuff like that it's it's going to be completely different if, if that is the case um so it's like that's the ultimate variable that we know nothing about so um it's going to be an exciting season and i'll tell you what um 
we got nothing to do. So I'm going to be savoring every game more than I ever have in the past. So, exactly, uh, man. That's why I want games is because, like you said, we're all set up uh, here, there at home or whatever we're up to. And, man, it would be great to get some Saturday and Sunday football rolling here in the next uh, month and a half or so. Well, Paul, man, I... I thought you had great opinions on, on all types of topics today. I know we've been focusing on free agency, so I thought it'd be fun to do that again. We'll have to see next time you come on, um, you know, usually once a month or so here. We'll be uh, seeing if we get that training camp like you expected, and we can actually uh, talk about what we're hearing and seeing from some Lions players and, and news and articles. So I, I just thank you a ton for coming on and talking free agency all off season here, as well as uh, entertaining and, and having some great opinions here on Believe in Lions. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. See you in a couple weeks. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for listening. That's all we got here for Believe in Lions, B-L-E-A-V in Lions. Uh, Check us next Monday right here on the Believe Podcasting Network. Take care, everybody. We're out. I believe, I believe, I believe. I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.